This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Don't change that dial. It's time for Navigating the Newsroom. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Andrew. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to episode number 23 of Navigating the Newsroom with Andrew and Andrew. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Andrew Robinson. And this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted exclusively to discussion and analysis of the HBO television series, The Newsroom. You can email us at navigatingthenewsroom at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com to let us know what you think of the show. Andrew, welcome back. Well, you know, I I had to come back eventually. Sadly, Canada didn't want me anymore. It has been too long, good sir. You were away for two whole episodes, and at the very end of the season. What's wrong with you? How could you just leave me alone like that? Well, you know, I had fears. I had fears of the show and fears of everything else, so I just decided to run away from it all. (laughs) Well, we did okay without you. Uh, Joanna Robinson and Brian Rowan came on, and, and they helped me discuss the last two episodes of season two. But now that you are back, we are going to talk about season two as a whole, uh, now that I'm assuming you've had time to catch up and, and, and see the final two episodes. I have. Well, uh, before we get started, I have a small announcement. If you're listening and you're a fan of Film Geek Radio and you enjoy our podcast on specific television shows, you may be interested to know that even though Navigating the Newsroom is ending and going on hiatus, uh, we might come back for Season 3. We don't know. We don't even know if there's going to be a Season 3 of the Newsroom yet. There's, there, season 3 has been greenlit long time ago. Well, Jeff Daniels tweeted that it was going to be greenlit, but as far as I'm aware, HBO hasn't officially confirmed anything, and there's some speculation as to maybe the finale was the way it was because Aaron Sorkin might not be interested in doing season three, and he just wanted to wrap everything up before he left. So we'll, we'll wait and see, but um, regardless of whether or not the newsroom returns, uh, we are launching two new weekly podcast focused on uh, two other television shows on Film Geek Radio. One of them has already premiered. It's called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, and it is focused, uh, of course, on the ABC series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, The other podcast will be premiering next week. It is called The Briefing Room, and it is going to be all about the third season of the Showtime series Homeland. Andrew, are you watching either of those shows, or do you plan on watching either of those shows? I'm quite a big fan of Homeland, um, so I'll be watching that. S.H.I.E.L.D., I have seen the first episode, and I am telling you from now that show is going to be horrendous, but I'm giving it two more episodes before I give up, just to see whether it can turn out to be, like, fun crap. You need to give it at least five more episodes, Andrew. That is the rule with Joss Whedon shows, okay? You have to give it at least six episodes total before you decide to quit. As someone who enjoyed Dollhouse, and I don't know what your feelings are on that show... I like Dollhouse. I can smell crap from a mile away. Dollhouse didn't have a great pilot either, and it took Dollhouse half a dozen episodes to, to find its footing. Yeah, but at the same time... I don't think this... I feel like this show, S.H.I.E.L.D., which I don't know why we're spending so much time talking about it on the Newsroom podcast. So we can plug the other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that damn plugs. How do they go away? It feels almost like it's just going to be random references of as obscure Marvel shit that we can think of, and then eventual tie-in to the movies that we're going to be watching in the coming months. 
Well, I'm hoping it's not going to be like that. Uh, if you're listening and you and you plan on watching Agents of Shield, tune into the Agents of Shield cast to find out what we think of it and whether or not that is actually the case. But uh, let's let's move on to season two of the newsroom. What we're going to do this episode, we've invited back almost all of the guests that we've had on this season. We've invited on six different guests. You've heard them over the course of this season of Navigating the Newsroom, and we asked them to give their overall thoughts on this season and say what their overall opinion was, what they liked best, what they liked worse. So I've edited their answers together into some quick little clips that we are going to uh, insert throughout the episode, and we're going to use that as a launching point to discuss different parts of this season and, and what worked and what didn't. And Andrew, I'm, I'm definitely eager to hear what you thought overall of this season and how it ended. So hold on, hold on. Before we go any further, we're going into this This is clip episode. Um, I'm curious because everyone's going to be asking this and I assume they will because they're smart people who've been paying attention and enjoying this show. Have you dantanered these clips? I have Dantana these clips. These are edited clips. I'm going to let you know up front. I called up everyone. I have their permission to edit the clips. It is now Dantanaing, okay? <laughs> Let's not use that word editing. That word is too nice. You have dantana them. If I did not edit the clips, the show would run for way too long. <laughs> and we don't have quite that much time. So I've edited down into little bite-sized one to two minute pieces so that you can get an idea of what everyone thought and that will just have to do okay thankfully we are not reporting on a major international story this is not an institutional failure people (laughs) it is not this is entirely andrew johnson's doing so please send all lawsuits his way i have no liability here no you're gonna fire me and then i'm gonna sue you that's how this works okay all right. Well, to get started, the first guest that I want to play is Ingu Kang, who we had on a few episodes ago. She is the TV critic for FilmSchoolRejects.com, and here's what she had to say about season two of The Newsroom. I think the thing I liked about this season as a whole was also the thing that ultimately was very disappointed by with the show, which is basically that it was so serialized, especially compared to last season, that the whole season was adding up toward the Operation Genoa reveal, where they were trying to figure out how everything had happened and where things had gone wrong. We'll say that I do uh, appreciate the craft. I think that the whole um, season-long structure didn't exactly pan out, but I do appreciate that there was a through line throughout the whole season. I think on an episode-to-episode basis, it didn't come across so great because sometimes it just felt like nothing was really happening. I feel like my thoughts on the show hasn't really changed. I I think the big issue with the show is that you never really get a sense of what the stakes are. And when everything wrapped up very quickly in the last two episodes of the season, where um, Mac and Will and Charlie were going to quit, and then they decided, never mind, we're not going to quit. What stakes are there? I mean, like, you build up to this, like, big, huge thing, and then if you can just say, like, oh, no, never mind, at the very end, why should I care about it at all? Basically, it sounds like Ingu is not a huge fan of the newsroom overall. She didn't feel like season two was a big improvement over season one, and she felt like there weren't any stakes. There wasn't anything that seems like it's going to have a big lasting effect on the newsroom. 
going into season three, if there is a season three. Would you agree with that? What were your overall thoughts on the final two episodes of the season? The episodes in themselves were pretty horrendous, as far as I was concerned. Um, I was kind of happy that I was I ducked out of those those discussions there, because I, I was listening back to the episodes you recorded, and I'm happy you guys had some things to say about it, because if I was here, it would be a really dirty, dirty conversation. Because <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of the worst parts of the newsroom in total, and it's mainly because it was just regurgitation, and there wasn't enough other things happening and the other things happening were all the things we hated the most about the newsroom like i mean guys they got married okay they got married at the end right that's it (laughs) it's it was just so like even though i had been making those jokes about um mac and will and that being what's gonna happen this season like when it happened, I was just like, oh my goodness, it's not even cute anymore. It's just sad. And to say to um, Ingu's lack of stakes thing, it kind of ties back into what you were telling me about the whole season three. With Even though me saying, yes, it's been greenlit for a third season, you're like, um, maybe they're not coming back and maybe they left everything tied up because of that. And because of the low stakes nature of this story, generally anything that isn't left hanging would feel like there are no stakes. Right. And I do think that Ingu Kang makes a good point when she brings up the fact that there were no stakes. The whole thing about this season was at the beginning, it felt like there were going to be stakes. It felt like the newsroom was going to get themselves into some serious trouble with Operation Genoa, that people could lose their jobs, that it could be a huge debacle for ACN. But then by the end of the season, it turns out, no, everything's wrapped up. And the ultimate conclusion is, hey, guys, we did the best we could, so let's just keep doing what we're doing. You're right, Andrew. It feels like it could be a series finale. And, you know, if it ultimately is the series finale, I guess that's fine that Sorkin decided to wrap everything up. But if there is a season three, man, it just feels like there really is no tension or any suspense or any stakes left going in going into the season i mean even at the end of season one there was the idea that maybe there was a murderer out there looking for will mcavoy <laughs> you know so th- so there were a few things left over at the end of season one going into season two that that we could um look forward to seeing but here there's just nothing it's just sadness all around well it's happiness all around and in a weird way that that's sad I think the most important thing we saw in these last two episodes was that Sloane was cut off every moment, and that was supposed to be funny. Yeah, I was hoping that she would fight back at the end, because we know that Sloane does have a spine, and she can stand up for herself, and I was sort of hoping that by the end of the finale, she would just be like, no, you have to let me speak, but no, they didn't. That was very disappointing, considering all the good things that they did with Sloane throughout the rest of the season— I think it was a little disappointing that they finished off the season with her in that position. But uh, let's move on to another one of our guests, uh, Sam Fragoso. He is the editor-in-chief at Movie Mezzanine, and here's what he had to say about season two of The Newsroom. For one thing, I, I think not only is it better, but I think it almost destroys that one criticism that people had in the first season, which was the show being not fair to its female characters. And I think all of them, especially the Olivia Munn character, are fleshed out much better here. 
the show for me it still suffers from just having too much just the busyness of it all there's too much and so it doesn't ultimately focus on the subjects or at least the, the storylines that i think it could yeah whatever happened to like the occupy wall street thing that just kind of went away i also don't get jim's relationship with the journalist and i don't get how he has that much time to skype with her at work like that's just bullshit there's no way if anyone was doing that at work that you'd fired immediately and he got a call wrong at the end too which he didn't correct so, yeah, that that was just baffling. Yeah, the best part, I, I don't want to say this because everyone should be saying it, and I'm sure everyone is saying it, is the Don and Sloan relationship. There's a resolution that was just perfect. They're both the two most interesting characters, and so for them to be together is just kind of perfect. What do you think about that? What did you think of the Occupy Wall Street stuff? What do you think about Don and Sloan and Jim not doing his job properly? So I'm no longer talking to you, Andrew. I'm talking directly to Sam. Okay. Sam, like, you know, we're good. We can talk right now. Um, I just want to let you know something. You bring up the fact that Occupy Wall Street in the show went nowhere. I don't think it went anywhere in real life either. So I don't know what you're worried about. Oh, wow. Zing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jim is a bad worker. Look, they still have Alison Pill working in the office after all the shit she did, alright? So, Jim is fine. I, I will say, it was interesting to me that in the finale, it seemed like Maggie really stepped up, and she was acting more professionally, in my opinion, than Jim was. It's almost like they switched places. Uh, Maggie was the one doing her job, and she's the one there to get the news alert at the very end. Meanwhile, Jim screws up a call and doesn't want to retract it, and it seems like he's just a total mess. And yes, he is Skyping at work, which is very unprofessional. Well, you know, it's generally whatever, but I mean, on that kind of a night where people are going like, go, 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 like, you, you'd expect people to be kind of on their toes and not really having time to Skype their girlfriend and such. Right. I mean, I guess you could argue that he was trying to get some information from her about, you know, what, what the scene is like where she is, and they're trying to use each other as sources, potentially. But, uh, yeah, I did think it was weird that in the second half of the season, there's a lot of screen time given to Jim just Skyping with Hallie. Whatever. I don't know. I mean, are you still happy with that relationship? I'm relatively happy with it. I, I, I think part of it is that... It's been so compartmentalized in the show that it's not like it was last season with the Jim, Maggie, Don whole thing that we we basically keep complaining about throughout the show. It's been so compartmentalized that even when we get a full episode of it, we're relatively okay with it because we know we've gotten an episode, we're done. We're going to talk about all the other things now and it'll just be, oh, he's on Skype. That's five minutes or two minutes of the episode and we're done and we move on to everything else. And it's it's fine. Like, it's... It seems like it has the right quota for the show to be relatively okay with it, and we can forget about it completely. Yeah, I, I'm not terribly invested in the Jim Halley relationship, but I much prefer it to the Jim and Maggie relationship from season one. This this is so much better. I'm glad that they decided to just ditch all of the Jim, Maggie, Don love triangle at the very beginning of the season and, and focus on new relationships and new conflicts because that was just getting so tired. And if there is a season three, I hope that they keep it that way. I hope that they do not return to Jim and Maggie ever again. I've had enough of those two. If, if you're a Jim and Maggie shipper, I hate you. 
uh, you should not want them to be together because they're terribly annoying when they are together. So I, I, I like Hallie as a character. I think in terms of new characters, uh, she, she's not terrible. She's not quite as interesting as Constance Zimmer's character, Taylor. But, you know, she's tolerable. I, I do like how the relationship started with Jim out on the road, out on the campaign trail. It was nice to get out of the newsroom for a little bit and to have him out there. I kind of wish that they had continued with that subplot of having him out on the campaign trail, but I'll take whatever I can get from the newsroom a lot of the time. Um, let's move on to our next guest, Corey Tad. Corey Tad is a film blogger, and here's what he had to say about season two of the newsroom. After a pretty terrible first season, which admittedly I only watched half of. I wasn't expecting too much of season two, and and then it turned out to actually be not great, but quite good, especially as it went on, right up until the finale, which I thought was really solid, and I was kind of going, oh man, I really want to see a season three. I mean, it wasn't like a perfect episode, but I liked where they took the characters, especially... Don and Sloan, but even Will and Mackenzie, like I have not been feeling their characters, but I feel like the ending of season two sets it up for somewhere that I'm actually maybe more interested in watching. It became a pretty solid show, which is much more than I ever expected. All right. What's interesting, Andrew, is that Corey hated the newsroom in season one. He hated it so much that he only watched a few episodes and then stopped. But he decided to give season two a chance, and it sounds like the show really won him over. He liked the development with the characters, and he even says that he liked the Will Mac relationship and how that wrapped up at the end. So I gotta ask you, Andrew, what did you think of how season two handled its characters? particularly Will and Mac. I, I get the impression from what we've talked about earlier, you weren't a big fan of them getting engaged. I mean, it, it just felt kind of dumb. I'm I, Like, I almost imagine you watching the episode and you just throwing your laptop across the room when that happened. <laughs> well, as I said in our discussion on the finale, I, I think it was a mediocre episode. I wasn't a huge fan of that plot point, but I liked it just because hopefully that means in season three we won't have to deal with the Will Mac relationship and their past anymore. Married people are worse, Andrew. They're worse. <laughs> well, I just never found that conflict very compelling, and I'm hoping that if they're engaged, I'm hoping that that brings up the opportunity for some new conflict or that we can at least see how some of their old issues, maybe those issues are still there, and now we'll actually get to witness them coming out in the present um, and, and see how uh, it affects their relationship. I think that would be interesting. So I'm not a huge fan of, of that relationship and them getting engaged, but I'm hopeful that if there's a season three, they can use that to their advantage. What did you think of how they developed some of the other characters this season? Well, the world ended as far as I was concerned because Sloan and Don got together and now the show is over. So, you know, there's, <laughs> there's nothing else really to talk about because how dare they do that to my, to my Sloan? It's just wrong. It's, it's horrendous. It's perfect. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. They're a great couple. I can't wait to see a whole season of them being together and kicking ass at everything they do. Can I, can I call out a hit squad on Don now? No, you can't. No? Sorry. Look, I know you're jealous, 
but he's good for her. You just have to accept it. Terry Crews is available. I can call him. <laughs> he's not doing much. Yeah, I was. See, that's a good point, Andrew. I was disappointed that there was no Terry Crews in this season. I liked him in season one, and now in this season, Will has no bodyguard. I, I, I would have appreciated that if there is a season three. I hope they bring him back. Maybe introduce that threat of Will being stalked again, or just do do something to bring back Terry Crews because he was a lot of fun. I'm gonna lay it on you. My my favorite new character this season is the Invisible Man. And that is Patton Oswalt, who apparently featured heavily in this season as a Marvel character known as the Invisible Man, who is really just the Invisible <laughs> Woman from Fantastic Four that has had a sex change and become a comedian and is in the newsroom. Because I didn't see Patton Oswalt at all, and I'm very disappointed. <laughs> and I blame you, Andrew. I blame you 1,000%, because I didn't know about him. I know. I feel terrible, Andrew. And I, I was thinking that we would leave this to the end of the episode. I was hoping maybe we can get through all of our guests before we have to tackle Patton Oswalt. But you're right. We need to deal with it. It's the elephant in the room. Patton Oswalt was not in season two of the newsroom, and I told you he would be. You promised me Patton Oswalt. I know, and I feel really bad about it, okay? But you should know that there were official reports that he was cast. Is this an Operation General? I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if when Sorkin went back and decided to restructure those first three episodes and they had to, uh, as a result, the episode order was shortened from 10 episodes to nine. I don't know if somewhere in all of that, Patton Oswalt's character just got cut or wasn't needed anymore, but he was cast at one point. So maybe he'll be on the season two DVD in the deleted scenes. I don't know. But I, I even read one site on the internet that actually said what character he was supposed to play. Apparently, he was supposed to play someone named Jonas Pfeiffer, and he was going to be the vice president of human resources at ACN. So I can only imagine that maybe when it came time to, like, fire people or let them resign, I guess Patton Oswalt would be involved in that somehow if he's if he's with human resources but I, I don't know i'm hoping that if there are deleted scenes on the dvd he will be part of them and i sincerely apologize for getting your hopes up um as long as you apologize i'm okay okay i'll live okay let's move on to what devendra hardwar had to say he is a writer for slashfilm.com and an editor at venturebeat.com uh, you can listen to him every week on the slash Filmcast. here's what he had to say about season two of the newsroom I still think this was a great season for the newsroom. Uh, when we initially chatted over the first couple episodes, it seemed stronger, it seemed more pointed than the first season, and I think the entire season really just shows that out. The initial plot line around them doing something horribly wrong and the repercussions of that I thought was just intriguing throughout. Some of the relationship stuff which annoyed me in the first season was less of a problem this time. It felt like we knew these people a little better by the end of the season. My big problem, though, is that it just feels too short. Uh, the first season had 10 episodes. This one has nine. And I want to hear more about what's going on with these characters. Uh, specifically, I think I wanted something more from the Jerry Dantana story because uh, he's kind of this threat after he's been fired and we don't see him again. Uh, I'm sure season three will deal with some of that. And, uh, of course, season three will deal with the engagement and all that stuff. 
but I would have liked to see at least one episode. It feels like a Game of Thrones season where we only get the next to last episode and we don't get that final episode to really see how the crazy events, how everybody reacts to them. But overall, it's a really strong season, um, really funny, not as seemingly misogynistic as the first season. I think Sorkin is just writing uh, all the female characters a bit better this time around, even if things are a little crazy. Once again, all the characters are acting crazy. I also want to throw a little bit of a shout out there to uh, Chris Messina's character, who's kind of just the uh, you know conniving villain in the first season. This time, they're actually making great use of Chris Messina's comedy chops. It was weird going back to the show after seeing him on The Mindy Project, which is a fantastic show, and he's hilarious in it. Here, they actually still let him be a bit of an antagonist, but he's also funny at times, too. Um, I, I thought that was just really fun to see. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next season. Do you have any thoughts on Chris Messina or Jerry Dantana or the fact that this season was nine episodes instead of ten? I don't really think much of the nine episode thing because a story is a story. If they decide to tell it in a three hour movie or a ten episode series, it's up to them. Um, I only take what I get at that point and I decide maybe it was 20 minutes too long or whatever. Like I, I don't really think about those things too heavily, too much. Chris Messina and Jane Fonda, it, that's very true. As opposed to season one, they kind of flipped that villain um, role that they had last season um, as versus this one where they kind of come up as the supportive heroes somewhat in the, in the season as we see them come in to the show. Even though early on, we definitely see them as the corporate villains still a little bit because in the early parts of the season when we saw them getting kicked out of SOPA meetings and such, they weren't too happy and they weren't they, they definitely were trying seeming to trying to nudge the newsroom a little bit, but it's nothing too obvious, nothing too as heavy handed as the first season. Um and they definitely switched it all in relation to Oper- Operation Genoa and on to Dantana. And it was really strange because we never really saw the villain nature of Dantana, if you even want to give him that word, until like the last three episodes of the season, or the last four, where we see him Dantana the tapes. And and I gotta be honest with you, Andrew, I, I did have a big problem with how they ultimately handled Dantana. I, th- I thought he was a very interesting character for most of the season. I was really wrapped up in, in the Genoa subplot. And I could buy that his main flaw was that he was too passionate. He believed too much in the Genoa story and that that might impede his judgment a little bit. But the second he edited that tape, he just became so much of a cartoon villain. I just couldn't buy that a seasoned journalist would directly edit a tape like that and expect to get away with that. It, it, it just was way too over the top. I was much more interested in Operation Genoa and that fallout when they implied it could be an institutional failure and it could it could just be a lot of little tiny mistakes that everyone made that anyone could make over the course of reporting a story but just the combination and the snowball effect could lead to a really really terrible situation by making him so villainous and by extension now Leona Lansing and Reese are nice and funny and on everyone's side. And high. And high, yes. <laughs> yes. It just seemed a little bit too easy to me. And then I was uh, a little bit interested in Dantana when they implied that he might be suing Don and that that could be a big deal that maybe uh, could really hurt Don moving forward, could be a big obstacle for him. But then, no, they wrap that up pretty quickly and it's just, oh, well, 
he has no grounds and we're going to fight him and that's the end of that. I was very disappointed in how they ultimately resolved everything with Dantana. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this comes from the, from at least, I think Ingu said it, I'm about low stakes within the show. Right. Like, it felt like low stakes when we got to the end of it all. When we started and we had that big opening of the, the depositions, and we see, oh shit, something bad is about to happen with this newsroom and what they did. There seemed to be some really great stakes as to whatever they were setting up. And then as we reach down to the end of it and we kind of minimalize it all into this one guy basically screwing the entire newsroom, there aren't any stakes anymore and it's all about damage control. So we're no longer going, oh, the danger is in that everyone's going to get fired. Now we're talking about how much money are they going to pay out and do we really care that the corporation is going to have to pay money? Or that they're going to be fighting this lawsuit. Because at the end of the day, I don't think this show is ever going to take us into that courtroom, even if we have a season three. Yeah, and it's, it's, that's really unfortunate, I think. Maybe if Sorkin had committed to a season three, and there wasn't a chance that the show could have ended after season two, then, who knows, maybe the season would have ended differently, and we would have seen some of those storylines left over to, to continue into the next season. I think it would have been great if we got to see some sort of legal battle between Jerry Dantana and ACN or between Jerry Dantana and Don. And if that was an, a, a legitimate threat to Don's livelihood that he had to face in the next season. But no, at the, at the end of the day, as much as I loved the Operation Genoa subplot overall and as much as they won me over with that, the resolution really made it seem kind of meaningless, and it made it, it, it made me look back on the whole flashback structure and, and everything with the disposition and think, well, what was the point of that? There, there really turned out to be no stakes to that at all. I think you and I are on the same page, Andrew. I think overall we, we liked this season, but just the resolution there at the end was way too neat. All right, the, uh, the next guest I want to bring on is Joanna Robinson. She is the features editor at Pajiba.com, and you can listen to her on a variety of podcasts, including The Station Agents and The Ones Who Knock. And here's what she had to say about season two of The Newsroom as a whole. So what I thought of The Newsroom season two as a whole is I thought it was an improvement over season one. I wasn't the biggest fan in the whole world of the frame narrative flash forward of the lawsuit, but once all the wheels started turning at the end, um, I quite liked it. Overall, I think the characters matter more to me than the actual gears of the plot. And actually, the character that I like, what they did with the least last year, Maggie, was even worse this year. So it was almost like it was so bad I could write it off and not really care. And also, Jim was sort of peripheral a lot this season, so that that was good. And they brought up two of my favorites, Don and Sloane. I actually do think that the highlight of the season was Jeff Daniels' portrayal of Will McAvoy processing his father's death. So that's the improvements or like the more screen time for the characters that I felt worked the best. Power to her for picking that moment as her favorite moment of the season because while it's a moment that I won't say that I quite remember as well. Just talking about it and talking about like that idea within the show, um, it's it's a moment which I wouldn't be against revisiting right now, even if I have issues with the end of this season. That was one of the best episodes of the show, um, if not the season alone. 
I'm okay with the idea of just giving applause to great characters that we got to enjoy within the show because I mean one of the great things that this season did definitely for I think everyone and I think Corey is the is the person who proves this theory is that we gave a lot more time to Sloane as a great character within the show because I think if it weren't for Sloane Corey wouldn't be watching this show anymore um, right. as much as he did this season and there are about five other people who we can put on that list of just fun characters who got so many great moments in this season that even when an episode wasn't going as well we had those moments to hold on to and i'm happy for that right it it did seem like sorkin overall was listening to his critics to a certain extent or at least listening to what uh, people wanted and trying to give them more of the characters that that the audience thought was interesting and and i agree with joanna that was a great moment in episode five when will has to deal with the death of his dad and i i think that that episode news night with will mcavoy is the best episode of the series that we've seen it is firing on all cylinders I think if every episode of the newsroom was like that, people would give it a lot more credit. It would be must-see television every week. That is Sorkin at his best, juggling a lot of different plot lines in a confined amount of time. It, 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 the whole episode takes place in, in real time as they're doing an episode of the show, and it was just fantastic. I was really stunned by how well Sorkin managed to juggle so many plates and, and, and keep them spinning uh, over the course of that episode. I kind of want to take a moment for us to talk about like that episode as opposed to the final two episodes of the season. Because right. you mentioned how that whole episode takes place within real time, within this one broadcast of Newsnight. And the last two episodes of this season takes place over a single broadcast of the election being called. I don't know about you, but when we talk about that episode, episode five with, uh, with um, Will's dad dying and all... There are so many things in that episode where we're no longer paying attention to the news or paying attention to the characters. And in these last two episodes of this season, we're not paying attention to the characters as much, if at all, and we're just paying attention to the news, it feels. That is 90% the reason why these last two episodes just kind of fell flat for me completely, other than the parts where we're actually paying attention to characters annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> but it's just, I don't know, like, are you with me on this, or am I alone? No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I agree the show is best when the news is present and it's there, but it's in the background and it's used to bring the characters to interesting places. The focus shouldn't be on the news itself and what the news means, even though I love to hear Will McAvoy preach. If you're not going to have Will McAvoy preach, then there's no reason to focus all that much on the news stories themselves because this takes place in hindsight. This is the recent past. Uh, in, mo in most cases, we know how these stories turned out, so there's no tension. And the only way you make that old news interesting is when you use those stories as a way to take the characters to interesting places and put them in interesting situations. For example, you brought up episode 5. There was like a bombing or a hotel or something that collapsed overseas, and then there were, there were those prank callers that called in. And that was funny. It, it sort of took the focus off the story itself and more on the newsroom and what they were facing, trying to figure out, is this a legitimate call that we're receiving or not? And then there was what I guess you could say was a fictionalized news story, which I think you might agree Sorkin should do more, where 
a high school kid was going to go out on the air and come out as gay. And the show did some really interesting things with that. So I agree with you. The less Sorkin focuses on the, the news itself, the better the show tends to be. Which is what I've asked of it from episode one. Right. And I think the one of the biggest complaints that a lot of people have about the show is that it is dealing with the recent past. And we do know how a lot of the news stories are going to turn out, which does handicap the show. And I'm, I'm disappointed that my alternate universe theory didn't turn out to be true. I'm disappointed that the series didn't end with Romney winning the election. But hey, what are you going to do? Because no one wants to talk about hell. <laughs> maybe so maybe so but who knows maybe if there is a season three maybe between seasons Sorkin will suddenly realize you know what maybe I can just get rid of this whole real life news thing maybe I can just go go back to uh, to making up fictional situations I, I think that would be for the best there's more that I have to say about the season of the newsroom, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but I want to go ahead and play the clip from our last guest. Uh, this is a clip from Allison Loring. She is a columnist for Film School Rejects and Fanhattan at fan.tv. Here's what she had to say about this season of the newsroom. You know, when everything is now said and done, I do have to admit I enjoyed it more than season one. I think it benefited greatly from having kind of a story arc that the show was centered around, um, even though it was Genoa and it was kind of based in a true event. I think the fact that they kind of infused some more fictional elements into things really helped that it wasn't always just them regurgitating news that happened two years ago. And what I would like to see in season three is for them to actually leave the newsroom more and not always be within the confines of that space and just kind of branch out, whether it be, you know, downstairs at the bar or having a character like Jim go on a campaign tour. Things like that seem to kind of mix it up a little bit more this season, which I really enjoyed. What do you think about that, Andrew? Do you think that Sorkin should keep things in the newsroom and keep it focused, or do you think it would benefit him to open up this world a little bit? Are you telling me news people do something other than go to work in the bar? Like what? <laughs> what? I mean, most of them only live in those two places, Andrew, but there are a few journalists who do have lives outside of those places. No, no, no. I'm with Allison. I agree. Um, I was kind of really happy for those things for when Jim went on the campaign and when for even, like, I'm even a defender of the Maggie to Africa story. Because what it allows for, and it kind of brings into what you were talking about a little bit a while ago, um, with episode five stories uh, that played on the news, it kind of feels almost like Aaron Sorkin is editorializing, where he's not necessarily playing on a real news story, but he's playing on stories which we'd expect to hear in the news. And it doesn't necessarily have to be anything specific. It can just be these general tales, and from that he can spin off his own fiction to make up a reason to give these characters something to do other than moving from Neil's desk to Mac's desk and shouting, I found something! Because it went <laughs> bleep on their computer. It almost kind of reminds me of this thing. I remember hearing this quote, don't ask me where it came from, of a screenwriter talking about the, the reason why there'll never be a movie about bloggers, right? News people go out and find a story. Bloggers sit at home and just hear things go bleep on the computer. And how, how do you find that exciting? 
<laughs> That's a good point. I mean, after everything with Occupy Wall Street, Neil basically did nothing but look at Twitter and be like, hey, guys, someone said something on Twitter. And that was all he did this season. I agree with you and Allison to a degree. I, I You know, we, we just talked about how the biggest problem with the newsroom is that it's it's using real-life news. And I think that the more fictionalized things you can do in a show like this, the better. If you can take it to a different location, whether it's the campaign trail, even if it's just a dinner. They need to Life of Brian the show. <laughs> you know Life of Brian, right? You've seen Life of Brian. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good analogy. I'm thinking back over the season, and even the scenes, like the dinner scene where Jim went on a date with Hallie, and Neil came along, and Taylor was there. Even that felt like a breath of fresh air, because it got them out of the newsroom, we got to see more of their social lives, and it made them feel more like real people. That is what we need to see. Strangely enough, when you when you take characters away from real life news and you're the one writing the screenplay and you're coming up with everything out of your head, that can sometimes lead to more realistic characters and more three-dimensional characters, oddly enough. I have to disagree with you about Maggie and Africa, though, Andrew, and, and we need to talk about this because every guest that I talked to, that I called up and, and we've played all their clips here, Everyone that I talked to, when I asked them what was your least favorite part of the season, everyone said Maggie and Africa was the worst. And I have to agree with them. I do not see how you can defend that subplot, but I'm going to give you a chance. Please defend it to me. I don't mind being the only right person in the room. <laughs> I mean, that's perfectly all right with me. But, I mean, herein lies the thing. And it, and it comes... It, it could be um, a sense of refreshment when it comes to the show. Because as we were just talking about asking for the show to do, do more with our characters. Throw them into different settings. Have them do something else. It might just be because this came at a point in time in the show where we didn't have anything else. And we were begging for it. And it just came at me. Um, maybe if I went back to it, I would find all of these problems problems that people have with it but the truth of the matter is that most of the problems that I hear people are having with it and you can correct me if I'm wrong is a racial problem and I think this comes back to my racial discussion from earlier in the season where I'm like can you guys stop putting your own racial problems onto other cultures because that is literally what's happening right here <laughs> There are a few critics that have taken issue with the depiction of, of race and some of the implications about race that have arisen as a result of that subplot. But I think that for, for myself and a lot of critics, you know, leaving those issues aside, that subplot is still very, very problematic. And while, while I can agree with you to a, to a point, I, you know, I, I like the fact that that is a subplot where, again, it gets Maggie out of the newsroom, which is good. We're, we're put in a new location. It, it puts her into something which isn't a romantic subplot. Yes, and it's an entirely fictionalized situation. It's, it's not her following a specific real-life news story that we're all familiar with. And I think that that is a good idea conceptually. The problem is the execution was so, so wrong. It felt so manipulative, just the way it was edited, everything with the music, how it, you know, how it kept cutting back and forth between that and the disposition. Everything about it felt 
way too over the top, way too melodramatic, and it felt like Sorkin was telling the audience how to feel as opposed to letting those emotions come organically from what we saw on screen. I'm not going to say it's a bad idea, but man, and just that execution was so off. I think it may be, I, I think that's why most people view it as the worst part of the season. So, okay, let me let me throw out something and let me see if I can kind of twist this a little bit my way. I'm almost getting the feeling that when I say the, the Maggie to Africa story, if in your mind that starts with her on the plane and ends with her at the end of that episode. Mainly when I think of the Maggie storyline, I just think of the climactic moments with the kid. With, you know, what, what, what's supposed to be the most emotionally impactful part. That's what fell flat for me. Here lies how I, I kind of view it differently. I take it as a, as a much broader storyline, which is the entire her fallout in work. Her reaching back and being like, fuck my hairdo. Her just kind of completely disintegration because of what happened in Africa. And I, I'll agree with everyone that that moment of what happens with the child in Africa itself, where they were filming that really weird moment of you don't really know what's going on and, oh, someone got shot. Oops, it's a child. All of that bit is really heavy and really clunky and very we're not sure what's going on. And it's just, it's just, it feels like they don't know how to really show that kind of plot point in the story. Mm-hmm. But I kind of view all of the After Effects stuff as part of that story and part of a whole which I find more interesting than just stip- just kind of pinpointing that, oh, someone died in Africa. I agree with you. And again, I think as an idea, it's a good idea. And I, I, I like that story arc you know, on paper, if you tell me that that's what's going to happen to to Maggie and this is the journey that she's going to go through, I think it's a good idea. But that scene with the kid, that is the linchpin. That is what is holding it all together. That is the moment that comes to define this arc for Maggie and how she changes. And if you don't nail that properly, then the entire arc falls apart, in my opinion. And because that was so poorly executed... I wasn't really invested in Maggie as a character throughout most of the season. I, I still think that she is the weakest character on the show, and it, it's just it's very problematic. I hope that if there is a, a season three, they spend a lot of their time just making Maggie less easily hateable, <laughs> honestly. All they have to do is demote her. <laughs> I don't want to see her demoted. I just I want to see her competent and I want to see her go through changes in a way that feel organic to her character and that allow me to feel what she is feeling, which is what this season did not manage to do. Any other thoughts on Maggie and Africa? No, no, I think I think we did it. Okay. Well, uh, moving on, is, is there anything else that you have to say about season two of the newsroom or the newsroom as a whole? Uh, we, we've heard from all of our guests. We want to thank them again for coming on the show and, and sharing their thoughts. What is your ultimate takeaway from season two of the newsroom? I think it's the same that I had at the end of season one, where I stopped expecting a certain level of actual narrative interest and just went i just want to have a couple laughs every hour that'd be fun thank you sorkin and i think i'm back there because it it did this thing to me last year where i went up and down up and down in the range of true enjoyment of the show and expectations and it did the same thing to me this season where 
expectations went way high when I realized, holy shit, they're doing something completely different. And then slowly but surely, it's just kind of wavered around in goodness of episode week to week. And now when I see these last two episodes, which I'm going to continue to just hate so much i'm just like all right if you make me laugh i guess i'll stick around you know it's it's like a a mediocre girlfriend i'm just like all right i won't go anywhere for now so it sounds like you're saying you didn't like season two more than season one did you like them equally or do you think that season one is superior overall it's really evened out for me in the end. Maybe it's because I'm on the bitter end of season two for me. If you had to get an answer, I think season two is the better. Um, mainly for the sake that they foc- they give a bit more time to a lot more, a lot of the the ancillary characters who turn out to be the best characters of the show in general, which is what we noticed from season one. And we were just like, why don't we have more of them? Um, I mean, we still can't forget the fact that Gary Cooper is his name and he is a (laughs) cowboy and he should be making all sorts of fun jokes about that on the show. I want someone to just start making cowboy jokes to him every time he shows up in, in, in a frame. I want to see a Gary Cooper-centric episode. I want to see an episode all about him because we haven't really gotten much from him in terms of character development. We didn't get the end episode where Will shouted at the intern, the the stupid college girl intern. Yeah, that was very strange. I, I, I thought it was interesting that they kept her character around, and I was disappointed that they didn't do more with that intern character throughout the season. I was hoping that that would be uh, a really interesting through line that would continue throughout the series. And I mean, just generally looking at stuff like the last two episodes, I almost want to say that it's mocking general election coverage kind of news because of how poorly they did it. But it's just uninteresting when they do it like that. And... The show, I, I like season two. I, I'm okay with it. But it's a hard sell when you end a season like it does season one and season two to ask people to come back for more. I agree with you. Like season one, season two is flawed. And I, I agree that it did not end as strongly as uh, I would have liked it to. I do think that season two overall is better than season one. You know, I I, I like season one overall more than a lot of people, but it's a flawed season, and I like it for different reasons than I like season two. What makes season two work overall, I think, is that Operation Genoa storyline and that focus on uh, showing us these characters researching one story over multiple episodes and seeing the process of reporting the news and gathering information and and sources and everything that goes into reporting a big story like that. That was really fascinating to me. The first few episodes of this season were a little bit rocky, and the last two episodes of the season were very disappointing. So hold on, hold on. What you're saying there is gr- more than 50% of this season you didn't actually enjoy. You were just in expectation mode. You just said the first three episodes were rocky and the last two were poor or not that good right that is five out of nine episodes that is more than half no 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 i think that the last two episodes and maybe the maggie episode i would say were poor episodes particularly the maggie one the first two or three episodes they were rocky but overall i liked them and there were a couple episodes in the middle there especially episode five, where the Genoa storyline just really pulled me in and I was fully on board. It seemed like the show had finally figured out what it wanted to do and it found its footing. 
there's some really solid television in the middle of season two that just outshines most of the flaws in the season, in, in my opinion. Um, so overall, I would say that is what saved the season for me. It's that middle portion of the season in particular that made it all worth it. And the the beginning of season two, there were flaws, but but overall I was okay with that as well. It was It's really just the Maggie in Africa storyline and the last two episodes that felt really lacking. So I would say at least 50% of it was really, really solid. I, I, li- I like your maths. <laughs> I'm not good at maths. Don't, don't, don't believe anything I say. You're 50% right 120% of the time. Yes, that is a great way to put it. That is a great way to put it. Overall, I don't think I have much else to say about this season, except can we both agree, Andrew, that for all of the flaws in this season, the Don Sloan storyline was perfect. I would not change a thing. Like, I'm all right with Don and Sloan being buddy cops and kicking the shit out of everyone. Don and Sloan, no. No, Don. No. You don't get to be an asshole and then get Sloan. Nope. I know that you don't like Don, but I don't, how can you call Don an asshole now? I mean, sure, he was kind of irritating in the early episodes of season one, but he seems like a genuinely nice guy now. How can you call him an asshole? I don't know. I've decided he's one and I refuse to change my mind. <laughs> I guess first impressions really do make a big difference. <laughs> Oh man, I, I just I don't understand how how you're not into the whole Don Sloan thing. I mean, is there a relationship on this show you want to see happen? I kind of want to see Jim Taylor or Will Taylor. Jim and the the woman from the Romney campaign. I don't remember her name. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Taylor. Taylor is the woman who was on the panel on. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, Jim and Taylor. That'd be fun. Just watching them argue every night would be sadistically fun. Because I'm a bad person. Yeah, I actually think in a weird way they'd be, they would be good for each other. Same with uh, Taylor and, and, and Will. You know, if this engagement with McKinsey doesn't work out. Oh, you're already divorcing Will? I tell you, you're, you're, you're a hopeful person. You're a person <laughs> who believes in rainbows and happy things, don't you? <laughs> I, I, I'm just hopeful that when it comes to Will and his relationships, we won't have to deal with something quite as clunky as the history with him and Mac that they've hinted at throughout the course of the series so far. I mean, it, it, it sounds like you had more mixed feelings about season two than I did, and you're a little bit more negative on it than me. Do you want to see season three? Will you watch if there's a season three? I'm going to give season three a shot when it comes around. I'm going to, I'm not writing the show off completely, but it's, it's on thin ice with me. Like the thing about it is when I think back to season one, I remember I was able to pinpoint my hatred to one specific point. And I've talked about it repeatedly, so I'm not going to talk about it again. You, you mean your favorite episode? My favorite episode. The Osama episode? When, uh, with this season... It literally just feels kind of blanketed, like slowly but surely peppered throughout the season. Like, there's enough good, but the bad is just out there for me to just go like, ah, I hate you. Um, And there's just stuff which I just don't really, I didn't really like that much. Like, it just felt like poor, poor writing on a whole. 
Okay, well, overall, I still think that there was more to like in the season than dislike. I will definitely be tuning into season three if there is a season three. There, w- there was enough good stuff in season two, especially that fifth episode, Andrew, that I, I just keep, I have my fingers crossed. If there's a season three, I want to see more of that. I want to see Sorkin firing on all cylinders again. I, I, I'm hopeful that he can give us that. Maybe I'm just as naive as the characters in the show, but that's what I'm hoping for. Well, uh, that will wrap it up for this episode of Navigating the Newsroom. This could be the last episode of Navigating the Newsroom ever. We're we're not sure. We don't know if we're going to be back for season three or if there will be a season three. If this is the last episode of Navigating the Newsroom, it's been fun, Andrew, and I've enjoyed analyzing the show with you and, and, and teasing you about Dawn and about Osama, and I know you've enjoyed teasing me about the things that I like too. Uh, so I hope that you've had a good time. I've had my fun. Well, uh, we would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at navigatingthenewsroom at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and our new TV-related podcast, The Briefing Room and Agents of Shieldcast. Andrew, where can people find more of your work online? I'm around. Um, just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Gman Reviews. You can find some of my writing at MovieMezzanine.com and Pathios.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. Andrew, sign us out. Rainbows, unicorns, and just happy things, guys. Just think about happy things. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!